Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging It F1 season review. We've got together a three and two guests to go through the whole of the season, the big talking points from it, uh, looking ahead a bit to next season and yeah, just talking through the big discussions from this season. So as I've said, I'm joined as usual by Freddie and Nigel. How are you both gents? I'm doing very well. I'm looking forward to getting into a few juicy topics from the year and also feeling quite Christmassy. Yeah, well, nothing's changed changed in the last two days since we did the last one. So, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And we are joined by two guests, returning guests to the podcast, Ellie and Ed. So, Ellie, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, uh, kind of bored at home, and there's no F1 anymore, so it's a bit boring. Is that why you're on here? <laughs> um, no, I'm avoiding my principal's essay, but we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. Do you just I'm... want to plug your work a bit because you do a lot more? Oh, yeah. than just, uh, uh, I too. write for Drive Tribe, and my Twitter is at AliJaneF1, and everything's over there, so you can go and read it. And we are joined also by Ed, who was on last week for the Abu Dhabi review. Hopefully this will be a bit more, a few more talking points uh, to go through. Ed, how are you? I'm fine. I've uh, woken up late and uh, basically been treated like a king. And I'm currently with you guys. So unfortunately, you have to see me in the morning, which isn't, <laughs> pleasant, which isn't a pleasant sight. Um, but yeah, I'm very glad to be back on this one. Hopefully we've got a few more talking points than last week's uh, siesta. Yep. And <laughs> as usual, there'll be the question of what is above the camera in Ed's room. That is so interesting. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we'll find out at the end. Maybe that will be a <laughs> audio be a big reveal at the end. Audio um, listeners, Ed, Ed spends his entire time when he's talking uh, in the podcast. Not when he's talking before the podcast. He, he looks at the camera then. But when he's talking to us on the Zoom call now. Uh, in the podcast, he always looks straight up and then talks as if he's um, at the bottom of a mountain or a church. Well, that's yeah, all your listeners, go on to YouTube to see it so you can give us views. That's, that's my and autism. Hit refresh. <laughs> that, that, was, that, was, that, that was my autism coming out that day. Um. <laughs> Does it always come out on a Sunday then? Yeah, um, it always comes out on a Sunday. I have to, I have to copy. <laughs> <laughs> it makes an appearance uh, like, hi. Oh, this is already going off track. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is part one. Uh, part two will be coming out in a few days. We don't know. Should be, you know, during Twixmas, maybe. Yeah, sometime after Christmas. Um, and yeah, Ed, same with you. Do you just want to plug your work a bit? Uh, so I currently do writing for Inside F2, and I do a little bit for Drive Tribe, like Ellie does, although I do it only on an occasional basis. Um, but yeah, give it a follow up. My Twitter handle is EdSpencer99 if you want bad takes on everything. <laughs> um, so enjoy that. And uh, yeah, try not, to, try not to mute me after five minutes. <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know i didn't pass that test but maybe, maybe the listeners <laughs> who knows um but yeah let's let's jump straight into it and it was i think one of the most interesting seasons that i can think of for a while i started watching in 07 and i think to me it's one of the standout seasons over that time probably one of the top three and there's been kind of a lot mm. of talk about is how, how well does this season rank historically? Like, is it one of the best ever? Is it one of the best in this century? Or actually, is it quite overrated? Is there not too much going on? Um, so, yeah, just opening with that, kind of what 
I mean, I don't know who wants to go first, but yeah, where where do people stand on that? One of the I... better. Sorry, you first. Oh, no, you, you can go. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, it's I think for me, I would have put it up there as one of the best in the turbo hybrid, like up there with probably seventeen. I think seventeen was one of those seasons where I re fell back in love with F one because it was just such an exciting season. But twenty twenty, despite the fact we've had no title battle, which is true, I've still enjoyed like pretty much every race and the amount of tracks we've had. Um, that we've not seen before because it's been an unknown that's been really exciting you know we've had two winners who none of us expected to see win a race um you know in Perez and Gasly and I think that's such an exciting thing that we've got to see po the podiums have been mixed up you know because Ferrari decided to create a shambles of a car and in a way I think I should, should say thank you because that that's literally opened up you know third place and we got to see more of a fight because they became a midfield team and um, you know, it, it it was yeah. I think it's been quite a fun season, and also we've also seen some records broken by the one and only Lewis Hamilton, which has also been great to see. So I think overall for me, this is one of the best seasons I've seen in a while as well. Uh, definitely up there with eighteen and seventeen for me. Yeah, I'll echo that actually. Eighteen and seventeen were two very good uh, V6 double hybrid era. Uh, seasons and 2019 fell a bit flat when Mercedes got a one-two in the first five races. But so because uh, otherwise, I think 2019, the, the second half of 2019 was also mega. So this, when you have a, se a season where you look like it's going to be a one-two for Mercedes every week or a pole or at least the win, then on the face of it, you'd, you'd be really despondent. And I think we were at the start of the year hungry. You know, even if it starts out as like a wet race. And you're like, brilliant, it's going to be really interesting. And then after three laps, nothing happens and it's just Hass is being overtaken. And you kind of think, oh, this is going to be the whole thing for the whole year, isn't it? Everyone's just going to walk around and be bored. But it really lit up somehow with a dominant team. And it's just proof that Formula One can be absolutely crazy. Which, I, yeah, I was very happy to watch this season. Very happy to be, I felt quite honoured watching this year because of all of Lewis's achievements. Nigel, you've made a few pained expressions through this. I don't, I don't know why. I think I preferred last year. And I think it's mainly because we had a run of six races last year, just off the top of my head. Austria, Hungary, Silverstone, Spa, Monza. Where we had a proper battle for the lead. And, and this year, I'm trying to think of races where we've had those types of races where we didn't know who was going to win, but when two drivers at the top were battling all the way through the race. And we've not had many. Even the surprise results of Perez and Gasly, they were fantastic, but they ultimately came because of the circumstances. It wasn't a proper kind of race. We didn't have much wheel-to-wheel -wheel action at the front, I guess, or much strategy races. Uh, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say last year was actually slightly better for me, mainly yeah, because, of the, because we had more fights for the lead, I'd say. Mm. I think well, if you said to me in May that we'd A, have a season, we'd have yeah. Gasly and Perez winning races, I would have said, what are you smoking? Um, it was a really good season. There was a little bit of boring races. I will admit there were some absolute shockers. But it's, it's Catalonia. Abu Dhabi. Yeah, Abu Dhabi. Magello as well. 
Um, I quite enjoyed Magello. I enjoyed yeah. Magello. It was, it, was a, it was a demolition derby. <laughs> Come on. It was just cars flying everywhere. People watch demolition derbies. Yeah, people who are not <laughs> interested in, people are not normally interested in Formula One. Um, it was well, scary, anyway, to be fair. Yeah, it was. Anyway, I'm going off piece. Um, this um, season the was... is about. This season was probably the third best after 2017-18. The only reason why it's behind, we didn't really have a proper championship, but we knew Mercedes were going to smash out the ballpark. Uh, but those moments of just where you have 13 or 14, 13 different guys on the podium, uh, two different winners, the craziness of some of those races, the fact we went to new places, we normally wouldn't go to or return to old places that we'd thought Formula One was never going to come back to. That's what made this season very special in my eyes. It's I in think, a way, in a way, Formula One found its soul again, found that white. Yeah, I think, I think it was one of the best that I've seen, possibly top two, really, because I think, I think it was a really important season because it was different to what F ones had for a long while, really, and. Yeah, as you say, having new drivers on the podium, not having, you know, three teams just strangleholding the top six and going to tracks that people actually want to go to that, yeah, we'd never get to go to as in a normal season. But because because of this strange situation, then we did get to go to those. And I don't know, for, for me, 2017 and 18, I never really thought Ferrari would win. You know, I just thought, oh, Mercedes will come through because that's what they do. That's what Hamilton does. So, you know, when when I look back on those seasons, for me personally, I don't kind of think of those as a big title fight because you know it just didn't seem didn't seem even halfway through. No, I, I just... definitely thought Ferrari really? until yeah. until the accident in Singapore yeah, in yeah. I yeah. think I really thought Ferrari could do it. And then the spark plug went in Japan and I knew it was over. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I do. I think the pole position for Vettel at Hockenheim 2018 was when I thought, this is unbeatable. And then he crashed yeah. in the race and I thought, this and, is so And then beatable. Lewis won. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it was like, I, that's when like, I was like, That's oh. the tide there. Yeah. It I was literally, for Vettel's one day I was career. like, Vettel's got the title. And then the next day I was like, oh no, it's mm. Hamilton's title now. I think, like, it was like... <laughs> I think most Ferrari fans probably drunk the Kool-Aid after Bahrain when Vettel defended like crazy and won in Bahrain. But then when things went pear-shaped after Germany, like, oh my God, here we go. Or when, I think I, think I would have said after Monza that he could win the championship uh, in 2017 oh, because he overcame yeah. such a different... I remember the, the podium at the time. My God, it was like a cesspit. It seemed like the whole of Italy was out to throw flags at Lewis. Um, to be honest, I just, I think it, it's, it's more of me thing that you know even in 2016 up until Lewis retiring in Malaysia then I thought that he was going to win that and mm. I guess it's just the belief I have in him and Mercedes that they would come back so for me it's kind of the difference between the title fight in this season compared to 17-18 wasn't kind of that great just in how I remember it but then you've just got all these extra elements that that I've said and you know having having new faces on the podium and having kind of genuine uncertainty and going to tracks that we didn't know what would happen. You know, we didn't, we thought Turkey would kind of be turned out easy flat out, you know, and it'd be quite a disappointing return. We didn't know what would happen in Nürburgring with the weather. Imola, we had the crazy, not crazy, but we had the, you know, Friday practice not on. We just had Saturday and then, you know, 
going straight into the race. We didn't know how that would affect it. Portimao, you know, who knows? Magello, we thought that might be really boring, and it wasn't. It was, I think, one of the best races. I know I disagree. We've already discussed that. We'll probably discuss it later. But, you know, I think for me, just the, the genuine uncertainty was something that we've not had in, you know, 10 eight or nine years, I think. It we felt didn't like there was have always that uncertainty some... going into the race. It felt know? like there was always Going into every weekend, you thought the top three would be the same. Yeah, but then often it wasn't. And, so how you know, there was always something... If you think, if you like, you... you... Mm, I don't know. Yeah. It felt like there were... There, there, possibility. I think, in Adam's point of view, it felt like there were a few more opportunities for something slightly different, whereas... When a few years ago, it would be the opportunity for something would be um, one of these three teams would win, or the podium would consist of these six drivers. Whereas the possibility became, well, for the most part, ten drivers for the podium. Uh, a few guys who got luckier ones as well, and yeah, maybe P one was out of the question. But for the most part, we still got Gasly and Perez. But for the most part, you would say if one thing happened to either Bottas or Stappen or Hamilton, not normally not Hamilton, but to one of them, then it would be the potential for more was greater than it's been in any other year, I'd say. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I, that's that's it. It's, the F1.5 yes. was bigger than ever before, basically. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we knew we knew going in who the top three, who the best three drivers would be, but, you know, reliability wasn't great over the season, especially by Mercedes standards, and also for Red Bull, they had a terrible run with Max Verstappen. And yeah, you know, all it took was one of those dropping out and suddenly, you know, it's, it's an absolute free for all between, you know, six, eight drivers who'd get it. And, you know, in previous years, if one of the top three drivers of the weekend drops out, you just have another one of their teams coming in. Sorry, Ellie. Oh, no, no, I agree. I was just going to say like things like it was Verstappen would make a lot of hit. So him in Monza in uh, Bahrain, him crashing or losing power led to two different winners in a way. I know Hamilton wasn't there for one and Mercedes made a mistake in um, Bahrain and then also they, Lewis did a wrong, weird weird pit lane start that I really still don't understand the penalty for. Um, but it was things like that that accumulated to the wins and that was really exciting. And I think, I don't think I've ever like like laughed, cried, screamed at the telly so much in a season as I have this year. So I think in a way, I kind of agree, like definitely Sakia, where me and my friend were just sat in my flat and we were screaming, like literally uh-huh. like that race had you on edge. Like, it was just, I think I agree, like this season, just that idea of just somebody different on the podium was just so exciting. And I think that's why, I think with Adam, like you are logical to think, yeah, Mercedes are going to pull through because that's what they do every year. So I can completely understand. If Esteban Ocon had got a podium in any other year, it would have been the talking point for the whole season. Whereas <laughs> this year, it's forgettable. So no one, I think that no says one really, a lot. Also, nobody really seems to like Esteban Ocon anymore. Mm. Like, I'm a bit disappointed, and it's fair enough. He had a year and a half out, and it felt a bit bad for him. He didn't get yeah. to start in Australia because he's been waiting for so long. But he seems to be really plucking away and getting it he's got a bit better at the end of the season but then you look mm. at Ricardo's drive in Abu Dhabi just able to do something slightly special and oh, just there's just not that's just we all thought that was there with Esteban in when he was at um Force India Racing Point and it just wasn't this year I which think, is a bit it's a bit perplexing yeah, really I think it was the Mercedes thing is that everyone wanted him to be a Mercedes and thought if he went 
to Mercedes, you might be able to challenge Hamilton on some weekends and, you know, kind of all of that. And then, I mean, not everyone, but, you know, that was kind of the prevailing factor last year behind the decision to put him in the car rather than Bottas or the opinion to put him in the car rather than Bottas. And then kind of after all that optimism, he goes to Renault and he doesn't really perform. Yeah. I think that's, to me, why, yeah, he's standing. He didn't well. make an, an indent on Ricardo, who really he needed to make an indent on to prove that he could beat Hamilton. And because mm. he didn't and do Alonso. that, like he, yeah. he, that's going to be interesting. And because yeah, he didn't be, because he yeah. didn't beat uh, Ricardo many times, I think that's why people are less, um, less to think. Oh, people now think he'd more play George as number two than be the number one at Mercedes in the future, because you know the, there will be a time on list to leave. So. I don't think it helped that Gasly won in Monza. I think that took a real dent out of his confidence. Mm. Um, if you watch the if you watch the team radio, he was silent. He was just silently angry. He was they possibly... really don't like each other, do they? They, 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 they used they to be. Just... They used to be best friends when they were yeah, kids. They, and I listened somehow to the they podcast just with Tom Clarkson. Oh, when yeah. he was like, "Yeah, we don't um, like, yeah, like but... each other anymore. We don't yeah. really know why." No, they don't and see I... eye to eye. They don't see eye to eye at the best of times. It was some slight on track, wasn't it? I think in like, you know, Formula Renault or whatever. But um, I think Ellie touched on it there with Sakir. But there were a lot of races, well, not a lot, but I think there are a decent amount of races, more than we've had in previous seasons, that I think will be absolute classics that we kind of look back on, you know, for many, many years to come as, or, you know, kind of go into F1 lore and, you know, it's the one race people remember from that season. Um, but yeah, I guess, Nigel, how... Do you agree with that? Do you think there were a lot of really classic races or do you think actually some of them were overrated? <laughs> uh, no, I do think there were quite a few classic races, yeah. I think it was what just similar put? about to last year. Which was ones that, would you say? Oh, thanks for putting me on the spot. First race, Austria. I think that's underrated. I think people forget mm. how good that I think, was. Yeah, I think because it was the season though. so good, like you forget about like the earlier yeah. races. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then Monza, I guess, with the result, it was a classic. But I think the actual race in the ad wasn't that great. Mm. Uh, Sakir, definitely. Well, actually, thinking about it, I don't know what else would be a classic. Can I put one Turkey. out there? Turkey. Turkey. <laughs> I forgot about Can Turkey. I put one out yeah, there. race of the it's season. Not, it Sorry, wasn't actually it. a classic. It just will get replayed constantly. Uh, the... The British Grand Prix, the right at the yes. end, you will never ever yeah. stop seeing Lewis Hamilton crossing the line with three tyres. <laughs> like they will constantly make out that was a classic race, and it was the one of the worst races we had all season. All that happened yeah. was people's tyres blew up. I think well, that was the British Grand Prix in twenty years. <laughs> I think yeah. that'll be a race that's kind of remembered less as the twenty twenty British Grand Prix uh, and more as the that time when one, yeah the three wheel <laughs> car won the race. Yeah, um, yeah I think. I think um, Monza might be remembered kind of more as Panis Monaco, where people remember, oh, the result. It was an yeah. incredible, surprising result, but actually they don't really remember too much about the race. I think Turkey and um, one that's uh, Sakir, I think for me, will be the ones that really go down and people just, yeah, yeah kind of go into that, I don't know. Yeah, it's like European Grand Prix. Turkey was like, such an interesting race. Like I went, I went for a roller coaster for emotions, just like I did mm. to Kia. I remember thinking about Turkey. I remember hearing that they paid the track ten days before the action. I thought, what yeah. on earth are they doing? 
Turns out they can do that anytime they want because it was a brilliant race. It was like a blooper reel. Um, Monza, I think, because of the result and the fact that it was so chaotic. Remember going into Sunday of that race and thinking, here we go, it's going to be a ball fest here. It's going to be Hamilton winning by about a lap. And then suddenly it all kicks off. Clerk crashes. Gaz is in a prime position. Gio gets a penalty. Lewis gets a penalty. Stroll decides not to use his brakes. Science is in a battle with Gasly. It was brilliant. Brilliant racing. I'd say Paul, that wasn't too bad. There was a little bit of a ball during the middle, but I thought it was a good race. I like I, I like Paul I wouldn't say it was a classic. You wouldn't want. Yeah, I I love Paul Mao. I'm 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 a Paul Mao stan account on Twitter now uh, because of that race. Um, I think yeah, it was a bit boring. It wouldn't be one I watch on F1 TV late at night at two a.m. But it was a damn good race. Um, Nurburgring, I thought was a little overrated. I think we were only really got that excitement because of the fact practice got delayed because St. Moran decided to host a Grand Prix in Germany in the middle of October. Um, I'd say. Sakir was brilliant. Sakir obviously was brilliant, but it did have a tinge of sadness. The fact that even even Sakir, like it wasn't the race, it wasn't actually that bad because Bahrain's a pretty good track. Like like I know George kind of went and went see you later for a bit. You know, he did a bit of he clocked out a bit like Lewis Hamilton, but it was still like when he tried to try and get back through, that was still quite inter- interesting and quite fun. Yeah, Sakir yeah. was Sakir was a roller coaster of emotions for everyone. Um, I thought George was going to win, and then oh. Mercedes had, Mercedes had a brain thing, decided not to bother. Um, who else? What else was a good race? I, I thought... think Turkey, Sakir, and Austria won have the most rewatchability. Um, I'd yeah. say Monza, Monza was Monza. excellent at the time. I think, as Nigel and everyone has said, the racing in Monza was awful because you could tell by Bottas not being able to overtake anyone that there was going to be no racing at Monza because no one had engine modes and the wings were skinny as hell. So they just couldn't none of them could get into a decent slipstream with each other so it didn't the it's it would be so boring to watch again monza because we know what happens but but for not knowing what happens monza at the time was fantastic uh there are a few duds that we'll forget about easily it's like just barcelona and spa i think people are forgetting that spa was really bad this year spa was terrible i i I literally i can't i couldn't tell you what happened in spa Monaco over to galvin that was it ferrari had had a meltdown I well, forgot about play, like I literally forgot Russia happened, so I forgot that Bottas <laughs> oh, even God, won. Yeah, uh, yeah, I forgot Russia happened. I forgot literally. I went, did Bottas only win one race this year? And then I went, no one two. And I went, oh my, literally forgot about Russia. <laughs> Russia like, was the forgot that race. To me, Russia what was happened? the most embarrassing moment of Bottas' season because at the end of the, I know he won the race, but at the end of the race, he said, he said, oh, who may concern F you comment. Yeah. And it's like, oh. you didn't win the race because you yeah. won the race. You won the race because you're in a Mercedes and your teammate got, what, like a 10-second stop <laughs> go at the start of the yeah, race. Yeah, he got belt. the stop and go. And that, yeah. that annoyed me because it really, he had, he, if he, had, he could have said that again if he had another good race. If he really cemented <laughs> a win, it would have worked. He did, he like, won he two did races Melbourne. to Hamilton's, how many? Verstappen like... won two races. I mean, come on, Val. Yeah. God, anyone can yeah. win two races. I can. Win I two could races. win two races. <laughs> I could win two. I could soon win two races. My arms tied behind my back. Like that's what I mean. Like I forgot Russia <laughs> even happened. Like I, there's some races that were just so, and that happens. It happens in every season. There are some races that mm. are just dull, and um. Makes us I'm appreciate. Not, I, some I genuinely did nap in Ab- the Abu Dhabi race. I did, I did too. Um, <laughs> 
that was shocking. I think that was the worst race of the year. Yeah, it was. My country mark. Can I also add nominees for the second Silverstone race and Imola? Oh, yeah. Imola. Oh, you, you agreed. Imola was boring. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I'll just say I didn't really like Portimao. I thought it was good for the first lap when Sainz was in the lead, and then it was like, oh, great. That's oh, yeah, um, but I, I would just also, despite what I said earlier, I think Monza. It ties in a bit to what Freddie said, but it was genuinely exciting seeing after the red flag because you know we didn't know we didn't know Mm. you know whether science would get there it did have kind of a genuine uncertainty for the lead as to who would get it genuine jeopardy so you know yes there wasn't loads of fighting on track but there was you know there were several storylines to follow. Yeah. There was how far will Hamilton get at the field? Um, you know, where will Bottas go? Will he be able to chance for the win? Where will Raikkonen end up? Because he was in second or third. Um, yeah. You know, there was Lance there. It, there was just so many kind of elements to follow after the restart. So I do think some of that will probably get forgotten. And yeah, as you say, if you're watching it, close it, you know, science closing down Gasly, knowing that Gasly wins, it's not as good to watch. But I do think, yeah. as a spectacle to watch, I think it was very good. Um, so, yeah, I think I'd say three. I think Sakir, Turkey and Monza will kind of be the, the really well-remembered ones. And, yeah, Austria will kind of be remembered by people who watch it. But I think it's not one that, you know, when you're looking back at F1 before you started watching, it's not one that people will say, oh, you know, do you remember us? Um, yeah, do you remember Austria 2020? Um, so where, if we just do a quick fire, where would people rank this season in Whatever. since they started oh, watching? <laughs> out of, I mean, oh. for me, it'll be out of 14. I'll just say out of the Turbo Hybrid era. I've been asked for yeah. what we said earlier. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, pretty good. Uh, I don't know. I can't... It's a really weird question to rank them against each other. I'd say, um, uh, I think, based on the fact that it had so many little things, I'll put it as a second to 2018 for me. I really enjoyed that year. I think I'll go first. I'm going to go, like Freddie, put it on par with 2018. 17 just did it. Like it was just just a bit a bit better, so put it there. Actually, I might go second because twenty fourteen was very good. I, it's I would put it. I put it fifth behind uh, 2012, <laughs> 2010, 2018, 2017. It was a good, very good season. But I haven't ranked it in all my seasons because I've been I, watching since oh eight. So yeah, well, I forgot oh eight. Oh eight is oh seven. Were kind of a bit naff at times. But uh, to be honest, oh eight, I was was seven. Can't really I was, remember <laughs> it. So, I was, I, I was about, <laughs> I was about eight. Still learning to read and write. Um, yeah, I was in primary school, so I can't really yeah. remember. Freddie that was way. fifteen by that I point. Fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> he's always he's always he's always been fifteen. <laughs> I still am now. Oh god. Born, born in nineteen eighty, and then you know by that point, nearly good old days. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think it's harder for me to rank it against, especially oh seven and oh eight, because. A, it was kind of 07 and 08 were all I knew kind of at that point. So looking back, I don't really have anywhere to um, kind of compare it against at the time. And also, 
I was so partisan because, you know, Alonso was the pantomime villain in 07. I wanted Lewis to win. And then, yeah. in a way, kind of looking back, you know, I think oh, it would have been really nice if Massa had won the championship because he probably was the better driver. But at the time, it was, yeah. wow, this is incredible. Yeah, you know? I come from a I come yeah. from a Lewis Hamilton fan household. And, like, you know, I think mm. they just don't... They like, like Alonso. My mum likes Massa now, though. She thinks he's a very nice man. <laughs> That's what My mum always liked Massa, actually. She likes oh, my mom, my, when I say my mum turns off the race if Lewis Hamilton's not winning, I'm not joking. Wow. I, I have forced them to watch it now. Mm. Yeah, mum's a very big Lewis Hamilton fan. I grew up really not liking Massa. I remember thinking, who is this guy? I don't like him. He's, he's, do, he's, taken, like him he's taken over from Schumacher yes. and now he's yes. beating yes. Hamilton. <laughs> I was like... I, Vettel's the villain in this household. Like mum, my mum yes. hates him. So I was like, yeah, he's winning too much. And now my mum sits there like, yes, mom, Lewis. And I'm like... Mum and hates the way, kind of, af- after the races, his <laughs> mum hates his radio messages after after he wins. And he goes, woohoo! And mum hated that, so yeah, not... No. I love Seb now. I've grown to add... The pantomime villain for all for my family were... Alonso, although I didn't like Kimi Raikkonen because he smashed into Adrian Sutil in 08 in Monaco. Being a Not Adrian Sutil. Being a seven-year-old, being a seven or eight-year-old kid in a holiday resort in Italy, you were gutted. Um, <laughs> for Adrian Sutil. Everyone in my family hated Sebastian. Now they all like him. They all think. Yeah, he's me crazy. and my mum. My mum loves Sebastian now. She's like, oh, him and Louis. You know, she's like me. Oh, Louis and Seb's friendship. Yeah, my, a, my my nan and I literally used to argue. with when Sebastian didn't turn up at tennis meetings when Lewis was at Wimbledon and Seb wasn't saying, oh, you could have had cheered your man over. And, but now they're all like, oh, Seb, Seb's amazing. Seb's the best thing since sliced bread. Back in I the like. day when he was win- winning, when he appeared on Top Gear, they said, right, turn the TV off. It's not worth watching. <laughs> I really liked him. I, really, I remember, I think I've always kind of liked Seb, to be fair. Yeah, I have too. Didn't- can I just drag this back to the 2020 season review? Yes. <laughs> season review. Um, yeah, so I think we we discussed that at length. And, you know, I think we all enjoyed the season, crucially. And there's been some seasons where it's like, eh, you can't pick many points that were enjoyable or memorable. Um, the big talking point off the track, to me, was the re- we races won. Under that umbrella, several events that, happened obviously F1 went into the season you know there was the motorsport me too movement there was the Black Lives Matter kind of coincided with the season starting and Lewis getting very involved in that and you know going on a march in in London before the season started and I think to me that's a massive part of the season is Lewis kind of stepping up to that that next level and really transcending his sport but there's also been a lot of negatives from it, most notably Nikita Mazepin in the last month. I don't even want to talk yeah, about him, group. to be honest. No, I'd rather we he, just name him nameless. I, yeah. I will speak on him, but it's very angry thoughts. You know, oh, he true. shouldn't, in my opinion, that man should not have a race license. That man should not be racing in F1 next year. I know we can bang on that Callum Mylot deserves a seat, but Callum Mylot does deserve a seat. He probably should be in F1. And because of Nikita Mazepin's dad's money and I will you know everyone knows I like Lance Stroll and I'm not going to sit here and say oh you can't buy your way into F1 because I'd be a hypocrite then but there's a difference you know there's a difference in how you conduct yourself be an actual nice person don't punch drivers in the face um don't you know make homophobic racist comments 
don't do any of those things when you come into a sport that says hashtag we race as one we race one is a bit of a bad sub you know it's not really worked anyway but you know i can't explain because being a part seeing how many people how many people gathered around when the whole motorsport me too thing happened and being a part of that and you know it's so so disheartening when you see that Mazepin is just getting away with it and especially when the other day like I was you know nobody I didn't really know loads I don't know who the girl is I, I don't know but when you see that on her Instagram she's putting things out there and then suddenly you're like okay so she probably was paid to say that thing and she, and it just makes it even worse because she was what it is she was sexually assaulted by him and then he deleted this statement as well to make matters even worse, even though the statement was a load of rubbish, because he said, as a Formula One driver, no, just be a nice person. You know, it's not hard. Decent people, you know, most people can conduct themselves normally, like, but there are some people who just think they, they don't have to. And it's just so, it's just really frustrating because we've gone through so much this year and for a sport that wants to increase diversity, especially within women, um, to let a man, get away with sexually harassing a woman it's so disheartening i can't I we went into feel so go, go on freddie no you're for it for me we went into this season with so much hope there was so much hope in the world not just in formula one in the in the, the in every global scene there was hope for change there's hope for so much so many more better things happening so much better treatment of people of everybody in the entire world and then we got to the, first, the second race in Austria and they cut away from the, the bloody kneeling to a pre-recorded kite or whatever it was. And it, the, the, whole, the stage has been set since then for them to try, the whole organisation to realise, oh no, we've to, to come across as they regret making a stand because now, they're, now they think, oh, we can't brush it under the carpet is what it looks like to me. And with Mazepin, it, like you say, it, Elliot's he's just not being a decent person he's it feels so much like he looks at himself and thinks yes I am above this rather than at least getting away with something well he thinks he wouldn't get away with he's he, he as if he's challenging the system to see what it can do to him and it's it's despicable that some of the behavior that's that he has been getting got away with he has got away with it already there's nothing's going to be done about it um, if anything's done internally, he'll have to buy someone in Haas a chocolate bar or something. That's about it. I swear, I really wouldn't be surprised if that's it. And I think there's just no, there's no sanctions in Formula One for anything anymore. We had seven drivers across the season choose to stand um, mm. rather than kneel. And yeah, they're showing their support for um, ending racism, to be fair. And they're showing it in their own way. Um, but some drivers did have reasons to not Neil that were stupid and some had them that were kind of not stupid but it's it, there's, it seems to be like there's an acceptance of a lack of understanding in Formula 1 and the We Races, we races 1 campaign was supposed to change that and I feel like it hasn't and I think on the most part you've got fantastic um, fantastic uh, actions such as Mercedes keeping their car in you know, a black livery all season having M races and plastering onto the side of of the halo i think it's the same on the mclaren as well um these teams are taking the stand and they are pushing in a way they can and when some teams in other instances don't take a stand it 
it all falls hollow and falls short. And I'm just thankful that there's so many parts of Formula One who are able to try and hold some of this to account because it feels to me that the side is being let down by a lot of a lot of others. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, Freddie. I, I do think a lot more can be done. But I'll say as a fan, I've learned a lot this year from what Hamilton's done and uh, off-track matters. But on Mazepin, yeah, to anyone who is defending him, you need to seriously learn because I haven't seen one woman, at least, who, who has defended him. I think that says it all. Until I've, that seen, I've seen then. a woman defend him. Really? And, wow. Yeah, and she was like, well, she the because this girl made actions. I haven't seen the video properly. This girl made yeah. actions. She said she was making actions as a woman. I don't think that means she didn't want it. That's not the right thing to say after what this girl is now posting Instagram. Just because at the time she was drunk, that doesn't mean afterwards yeah. she reflects on it and thinks it was okay because she still could have felt uncomfortable. Absolutely. But when you're in a in a car with two boys and you could feel intimidated, what else are you gonna do? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Exactly. Yeah, and even then, it's only what one out of. One thousands, tens of thousands. Yeah. So you know, and and I can't help but feel if this was an old football or rugby or whatever, something would have happened. But I don't see anything happening to Mazepin, which is which kind of makes me angry about F one if they don't actually do something and they let it go. It, it really it says a lot. And as as you said, Freddie, with the We Races one stuff, it goes against all of that. It, it really does. I think for, for me, looking at the Wheat Racers 1 campaign, it, it could have been two things. It could have been a PR campaign or it could have been a campaign to change F1. And what's happened in the last few weeks has shown that it is just a PR campaign. It's to try and make F1 more attractive to sponsors and people wanting to get involved in it and you know boost it financially or whatever. But it's not to actually change opinions or stances within F1 and the people that hold the power in F1. And to be honest, as soon as F1 came out and said, well, you know, we'll fully support the Haas um, inquiry and, you know, we'll agree to whatever they do. I think from that moment, it raised alarm bells for me because, you know, it, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be, well, you know, th this isn't related to us. This is just a Haas thing. And if they think it's fine, if a team who is heavily financially reliant on this driver racing for them next season to continue as a team, think that it's okay for him to race for them next season, then that's fine. It shouldn't be like that. And it is an F1 thing. And, you know, what, what he put out in his statement as an F1 driver, he didn't put out as a Haas driver. So it's, Or as a person. You didn't say as a person. Yeah. So you know, so yeah, it's, it was an F1 it's, it's, it's related to F1 and it's not just okay for them to go, you know, just say, oh, well, you know, whatever has to, if, if has to say it's fine for him to continue because that's, that's, that's not showing that they want to put their values that they've championed in We Racers 1 actually into action and into the sport. So I think for me, possibly it's the most, in fact, probably it's the most disappointing aspect of the season is to kind of see that actually, as Freddie said, all this optimism that we had coming into the season is, you know, just not just, Spat you know, hit it out into nothing. It, it's, it's worse than that because they've tried to use it for their own gain. They've tried to use it for their own gain financially and not, you know, without actually caring about putting any of this into action. 
It's about time Formula One kind of realised what they are. Because if they're allowing Haas to enter this driver, then they're saying, look at us, we're purely a regulation to run a sport and the teams play yeah. the sport and that's it. Yeah. And Or are they a business offering an entertainment, offering a show, offering a, a race championship that they're selling to people? They're selling this to the world. Yeah. And if they're going to do that, if they're going to not just be basically governing body with rules... They need, they need to take action on this because otherwise they don't know what they are. They don't know if they're um, supposed to be a manager of entertainment, if they're supposed to be a ringmaster, or if they're supposed to be just um, someone who says, oh, you can't cut corners at this particular corner. And that's basically what they're stuck between. Formula One doesn't know what it is. And I think the only, the only glimpse of hope in any of this is that Stefano Domenicali's first day is in a couple of weeks, uh, I, I think. And I think he will be a good appointment to help he's a great appointment. things like that. Because I think he understands F1 just so much more than Chase Carey did. You know, he, he's been in it. He's done it for so long. And I think as well, this is just, you know, I think as about We Race is one. I think this year, and I know we can talk about safety and stuff, I genuinely think Hamilton has become not only one of the greatest drivers of all time, he's become one of the most influential drivers of all time because I know he hasn't done much for safety but what can he do because we're at a point now where we just have to you know everyone's pretty safe not fully safe but his impact um you know on what he's trying to do in the diversity because he is the only you know black driver and that isn't right in a 70-year history how can we have one person and, you know, his influence on this sport is so my mum, you know, I bring her up. She didn't know a lot about Black Lives Matter before before this. And then she listened to what Lewis was putting on Instagram, what he was saying. And suddenly she was like, oh, like, this is really bad. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to tell you. And she's like, yeah. So it just proves the impact he's had. And for F1 not to be, like make, you know, they seem to just think, oh, well, he's doing enough. That's not enough. Like, we need all 20 drivers to unify together and be like yeah this is like just just say it just post something i don't want crappy statements or crappy things said by the likes of charlotte claire and, and max verstappen on why they're not taking the knee it's not that hard to take a knee i'm sorry like it's a i don't know it's what a, a minute of your time in your whole of your life at each race to just take a knee because especially the young drivers they're so influential on young these young girls and boys they have who seem to like be obsessed with them, you know, stan accounts. I, I was like with One Direction, you know, they they worship them. So the influence they can have, and um, they haven't done enough with that influence is so upsetting because when you've got people like Lewis and Seb who are so keen on doing it, and Seb as well, he's been doing it, but like, you know, Seb can't do too much because he doesn't have social media, which is nothing against him. That's his personal choice. And I get that and but he's done it to the point he can and it's like so why can't the rest of you do it why have all these guys who are older and you think would be care less are doing more than you are do you know what i mean and that's really frustrating it's also the fact that like danny rick said that he didn't know much about it but he educated himself on it he educated about it yeah he really did he had the mask and stuff didn't he yeah he did he had the equality map i should feel that i should chime in on this as well um I had hope as well, like everyone else did, that it would all kneel because we'd seen it in football where all the players had kneeled, the referee had kneeled, the coaches had kneeled. You know, I thought we'd see that in Formula One and then see six of them not for some pretty awful reasons. Um, one for the fact that, well, I don't believe in this or 
I am a free man in Carlos Sainz's words. And then you hear John Todd making these absolutely blasphemous comments about his wife being yellow and the fact that he said openly in interviews, all lives matter, which was the complete... He, he runs the FIA as well. That's yeah, what's he, even more scary. Well, yeah. Todd, Todd has had a complete disaster, though, of a 2020. I remember he was in Valenciennes uh, getting absolutely smashed when there was chaos in Australia. But that's not the point. The Mazepin... The Mazepin decision to not sack him, it seems a twisting gun for Sainer's arm and saying, you sack him, you lose your money, you go bust. But that's not the point. This guy gropes on. This guy is a complete lunatic on and off the track. He's nearly sent Drugovic into Narnia in Bahrain. Yeah. That was he, an awful move. That was awful. Horrible. He, he punched Callum Ilot. He's got fans who have openly been racist to Yuki Tsunoda, which he's been laughing at. Oh, don't Yuki forget. Yuki. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't forget him. Don't forget him. I really. don't know how you can hate Yuki. Such how can you nice hate Yuki Sonoda? Also, him nearly decapitating Yuki Sonoda in the spa yeah, with the, foot. Yeah. And there was also this guy is a complete. He's just got no, numerous, numerous incidents no. that stack up to a pattern of behaviour which yeah. seems that he cannot adhere because I hate to say it, I hate to use these words, but he's that privileged that he thinks money will solve everything. Which in this Absolutely. case right now, that's exactly what's happening. Mm. Money is solving him everything. He's never had to fight for anything. Like even some of the other drivers have had to actually fight for something because but these they aren't making these stupid mistakes that he's doing, you know. Um, they aren't they aren't having this pattern of behaviour. And I put something about dangerous drivers. Someone, Roman Grosjean, I was like, no, like, mm. oh my god, Roman has made stupid moves, and I saw someone go, oh, well, you can't have yeah. a go at Mazepin, like, um, I, there's so many drivers who d drive dangerously, yeah, they have a few incidents of driving stupidly and making stupid moves, not a pattern of behaviour of making stupid moves and constant yeah. bad behaviour, like this, I just, I can't explain my frustration in North we, we all, we all, we all, Mazepin. We all complain about Dan Tickton. And how bad he was. He makes yeah. he makes Nick he makes Nick Hitman makes Dan Tickton look like a saint. Yeah. I used to I, I used to really have such a frustration with Dan Tickton, you know. He accused Mick of cheating and he did some stupid moves. But in the grand scheme of things compared to Nikita, he's a bloody angel. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I think he, with um with uh Mazepin and Tickton, they're both really fast drivers. They don't need to do this and they don't need to be idiots. But they, particularly with Nikita Mazepin, he is. He's just. Oh, I think we 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 can go on for ages about just saying yeah. he's an awful human being. I think we all think it that, is. and we do need to be careful about what we're saying. Yeah. But yeah, this is our opinion. But I think you don't need to worry about that because it's quite a consensus of an opinion. But is, oh, yeah, he, he makes Dan Tickton look like Alan van der Merwe. It, it's just... Yeah. It's, wow. it's so, <laughs> so frustrating. And mm. I think going back to the FIA, the fact that they investigate Hamilton because he has a political message on his, on his T-shirt, you know, because he's... It's something that he believes he in. He's good and, in the world. Yeah, you know, it, it's something that needs addressing, that needs, you know things needs awareness raised on it and he used his position as good as you know a, an f1 driver to raise that awareness and you know he knows that it might affect him negatively you know people will send him death threats because of it you know the faa may find him because of it you know he knows that people won't like it but he doesn't care because he knows that ultimately it is the right thing to do and i think that is something that is 
catastrophically missing from the way F1 and the FIA have handled this. And, you know, it's, it's difficult for Haas because they have, you know, one and a half arms tied behind their back, really. And, you know, I think F1 should be stepping in to make it so that they are able to make a decision based on what they actually believe is the right thing to do rather than, you know, what they want to do for the survival of the team. And I really hope that happens. And none of us want CF1 go down to nine teams, but even more of the F1 fan community doesn't want Mazepin on the grid. He just doesn't deserve to be there. And I think we all agree on that. I think um, one can I help the, by I giving Haas money. I've yeah, if defending sexual assault is what is um what needs yeah. to be done to save a team, yeah. then someone should step in, um, such as Formula One or the FIA, to support that until there's a step up that can be made financially. Because yeah, yeah, Dimitri Mazepin owns a ten percent stake in Haas now in a in a look to presumably buy the team in a few years' time. I think. So I mean, he's just had his Force India case thrown out of court. So it's. It's the entire future of the Haas F1 team that is in question here. And I think yeah. Haas are just, um, the management I, people, I think are probably I'd, putting I'd, their personal sale ahead of them. Yeah. I would get very, if, if Dimitri Mazepin bought Haas, and I'm sure yeah, it'd be 10 teams on the grid, I think I'd be more angry at that than I would be uh, the, having nine teams because honestly, yeah. I couldn't think of anything worse than having like Mazepin on the grid forever like I know we people get annoyed but Stroll's on the grid but that he hasn't done any wrong you know he hasn't made any yeah Yeah. he's doing good you know he's not he doesn't that's what I said I said there's a difference between you know these these are two pay drivers and their attitudes are so bloody different it's crazy yet they both grew up in billionaire families and the way they are it's just it's just very how can someone be so entitled and privileged? I don't understand. Well, I think there's also the point where the FIA should step in. I mean, we've seen it with sports clubs in all sports where they've been taken over by the organisations and have been run, basically. I think if Nick, I think if Dimitri Mazepin took over, I think it would be really the death of the We Racers one moment. It's bad enough we're going to Saudi Arabia, for Christ's sake, next season, mm. which is not exactly home to their human, great human rights record. So it seems to me we don't, know what we're doing. The best thing I would say to fans is don't refer to him as Nikita Mazepin, refer to him as driver Haas number one. Yeah. No, I'm um, very, I only in my eyes Haas only have one driver. Yeah, and, and we, we all know. We all know. Team Mick. Mick Schumacher Race. I'm sorry, it's Schumacher Race like who who is Nikita Mazepin? This man does not exist. Yeah. Mm. Is he question will it be the first driver to be egged at an autograph session? Nikita Mazepin. Wouldn't surprise me. I've got I've got money on it. I've got money on someone throwing something. Like, I think he is probably one of the most hated drivers I've seen in a while. And he hasn't even got it onto the grid. That's what yeah. I think. Yeah. And yeah, I think against all of this, there are some positives to take out of the sport. It's, you know, the Mercedes, the way Mercedes have stood against yeah. racism and the fact that they have made, you know, genuine Obviously, they changed the livery and that was, you know, good as a signal of what they were going to do. And now Hamilton set up his commission. Um, I believe is there a Mercedes one set yeah, up as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think if, if the biggest team and manufacturer in the sport are doing that, then, you know, there is light. And, you know, we, we saw it with the female engineer, black female engineer who was on the podium with Hamilton in Styrian Grand Prix. Yeah. 
you know, there, there are strides or steps being made, you know, as I think the, the important thing is it's not just based around Hamilton being the black driver on the grid. It kind of needs to be wider than that. It needs to be, you know, once he does stop racing, that needs to continue. And, you know, I think we all hope that. And yeah, I, mm, I it's, agree it's something every, every fan wants, really. Yeah, Mercedes have definitely been that. Like, I, we all get annoyed with them, you know, they win all the time. But at the same time, yeah, they're winning, but they're also doing good. You know, they're not just taking, they've sat there and they listened mm. to everything Hamilton had to say, even though like they're the head of like actual Mercedes, not just the F1 team, you know, they listened to what he had to say. And they, they talked to him about this whole thing because they understand, you know, they've got to make an impact and they, they've done such a good job with it. And I literally, in my eyes, they are one, like, not just like, engineering wise they just are one of the best teams on the grid with the way they've handled this and I think as you said that's a positive we can take out of it yeah definitely and if we move on to Hamilton kind of as a wider discussion topic I think this season he has really transcended his sport I think now he's in the kind of Michael Jordan Usain Bolt level of you know people you know people know him or Muhammad Ali you know if you know F1 you know Hamilton even if you don't have no F1, you might know Hamilton. Is he the greatest driver of all time? No. <laughs> um, okay, so I did an article on this. I'm uh, not to plug myself, but yeah, shameless plug. Um, I don't believe there is a greatest of all time. So I don't think he can be able He's the greatest of his era. That's 100% sure. This man is one of the best drivers I've ever I, I've ever had the opportunity of watching. Like, I've seen, you know, in the turbo hybrid era, best driver there has been. But is he the greatest of all time? No, because you can't compare every engine, every car, every driver, because they didn't race on the same equipment or they didn't race during the same eras. So I can't label him the GOAT because I don't believe there is one. There you go. I was taking words out of my mouth there. I, I mean... <sighs> If if I had to say, I would probably say yes, but I think I, I'm with Ellie on this. It is so difficult to compare era to era, car to car, because there's so much more than driving the car. Just team dynamics, how you get on with your engineers, going stuff behind the scenes. It is, it's not like football where the game is equal for everyone or something where it hasn't changed at all. You know, or tennis, or, or any, or any other sport. F one is unique in that aspect, so it is really, really difficult to say. But given what he's done off the track, I would edge towards yes. And given that he's done some less controversial stuff on the track compared to Schumacher and Senna, uh, who you know they got their elbows out and would do anything to win a championship. Hamilton hasn't done that he's won all his championships cleanly I would edge to say yes but well, if I if I if I'd have had but if if but yeah I, I edge towards what Ellie said. Yeah I think it's it I tend to always go to what Nigel has just said there about comparing it to Schumacher and Senna and and Prost by extension as well actually. Schumacher plowed into Villeneuve, Senna plowed into Prost, Prost parked up Senna basically. So <laughs> These guys have employed dirty tactics to win. Hamilton's never done that. He's the classiest driver there. He's, I think he's exemplary in everything he does, and he just gets better and better and better. And to me, I, I've got my Schumacher poster behind me. I always cite that I'm a big Schumacher fan, but I do think Hamilton is he's 
even more special, I think. I think I really do think he's a phenomenal Formula One racing driver. Form- racing driver, just racing driver, person, everything. I think yeah. he's phenomenal. He's like up there for like like how Clark, Clark as a driver, like the way he drove, you know, his talent. I think Hamilton's there with him because they just both have that raw speed, the way they drive, like they're just... You know, that for me is like what you need to be the one of the best. And I think he's definitely up there, like with that, just that talent and pure speed that you need. And so I agree, like he's one of the, he's one of the best. I just don't want to say there's a greatest of all time because he's got um, the raw, you know, I play devil's advocate. He's got the raw natural talent that you'd need to be great, but he's also got the work ethic that someone who doesn't quite have the natural talent would have to try and get them up to the level of someone with the natural talent, yeah. which puts him even further ahead. In my, in my opinion, I, I'd go out and say, yes, he is the greatest of all time. Because I think, while you can't, you know, it's difficult to compare across eras with the, the cars and the skills needed and drivers that they face, you know, you kind of compare the effect on the sport that drivers have. And I think Hamilton, I think Senna maybe had near as big effect. But that's largely, I think, because he died, because there's that mystique about him. We don't know what he could have gone on to achieve. And, you know, it feels like a talent cut short. I think with Hamilton, yes, on track, he's just absolutely exemplary. And as Freddie said, he doesn't have um, clouds over championships that he's won because of the way he won them. You know, he's won all of them by, you know, being the best driver or one of the best drivers, you know, over that season and that's it. So I think there's that. And also, yeah, just the, the effect that he's had, the way he's developed the sport, you know, he has become the next superstar and an even bigger superstar after Schumacher. We've spoken about all the off track stuff he's done already. We don't want to repeat ourselves too much on that, but you know, I don't, as I said, I don't think, you know, when you look back at, athletes who have transcended their sports you know I don't think Schumacher or Senna or even Clark did it in the same way that he did you know he is you know of the athletes I've listed off or Ronaldo or Messi I think for me he is that level of of athlete that's that's just my opinion and you know I I, I like having goat debates and you know I think mm. it's it is a good thing to compare drivers and compare you know, compare the cars they were in, compare the skills they were needed, and look at the way their um, contemporaries rate them. Yeah, the, for me, there's not one goat. I've always believed there's four goats. Um, that's Fangio, Senna, Schumacher, Hamilton. Hamilton's joined them because he got all three or four, all three combined. He's got the the work ethic of Schumacher, he's got the speed of Fanjo, and he's got the greatness in terms of outside of the race thing that Ayrton had. But then why does that, if he's got the, all those elements of all of them, why does that not elevate yeah, him? That him mm, that's actually, actually, you're, you're playing devil's advocate, <laughs> and I, I like that. Um, I'm not, this is what I think. This is genuinely yeah, what I think. I think for, for, that is for, true, but, I will agree. You've said he's got the qualities of all three, so if, he, then, yeah, if he's got the yeah. qualities of combination... I've just, I've just kind of, I would say I've Senna just, has all three qualities as well, actually, to be fair. I'd say yes, he's got those, think, three, those think, qualities with Senna and arguably with Prost. Anyone in yeah. there. But did Schumacher, did Schumacher have the, all three, I think? I think Schumacher did a, bit of work for, did a lot of work for charity. 
Well, he didn't but massive he, work for Germany. I'll give him that. Yeah, he, 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 yeah, Germany yeah. wouldn't be in Formula One if it wasn't. Germany would have been in Germany, yeah, 100%. But, so, but same with Brazil but with Ferrari. And in the but UK, then, like, he was a Ferrari driver and he grew Schumacher with the Tifosi and Italy uh, built Ferrari into the status that Ferrari is. Ferrari had a medical status, but it's, it's so much more now. Ali, do you want to jump in? <laughs> Hamilton never had to transform the UK because we were already so big in racing, but yeah. he still made that big impact because yeah. he's Lewis Hamilton. I didn't really know how to explain yeah. it, but he's just Lewis Hamilton. Like, that's how he is <laughs> Hamilton does have the edge to me out of all three because of the fact that he is a trailblazer um, I mean coming into the sport he was the first black driver to ever race in Formula 1 but he's made it such so much more than that he's made he's brought so many people into the sport because they've seen what he's done and think if he can do it I can do it he's a generational talent and he's almost become almost a bit of a demigod uh, yeah. In a sense, I don't like to use that phrase demigod because I think it's it adds way too much pressure to already someone has. But I think if you look at what Hamilton's done, the way he's transformed the sport, the way people think, but the way he's also put done his talking on the track as well, the way he's won races where no one has thought he could win. I remember Hungary 2019, he had a massive gap to Verstappen. There was pretty much, you had to be very special to win that race. To catch Verstappen and so overtake, like, and overtake, yeah, and he did, hungry. He, he did, and he did that. It's the same I, with. Go on. It adds to what Adam said earlier about the myth that really helped for really worked for Senna. That, that was there, I think, not just because he died. I think that was there when Senna was alive. But I think that's there for Hamilton now as well. In present in his career is a mythical status for Lewis Hamilton. Um, and I think you, you don't really get that with other drivers. I've not really experienced that with other drivers watching them I think the only time I would have thought about that would have been Michael Schumacher when I was a a, a teeny one so I think that's what you back I, in 1977 back in the BC years but um, back in back in 1975 <laughs> when he was a full-on Schumacher decra wearing lover who waved the Benetton flag at Silverstone when no one else would I don't, no, I no don't know I don't know what you're talking about um, <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah I think I think Schumacher is just a fantastic driver, and I think, but I do think Hamilton transcends it. Just oh, he's he's so, I, oh, we could, he's so it's good. The fact he's Hamilton so good. surpassed all the records, like by mm. by that much. It doesn't make sense. This man's good. Let's say, in my opinion, Lewis Hamilton by next year will probably be over a hundred time Grand Prix winner, and by a hundred and God knows how many poles. I don't even want to think about how many poles that man's gonna have by the end of his career. I and I, I'm saying this now. I'm sure we all said this back in the day, but I think because I was. <laughs> I was like a child when um, um, Schumacher retired, but I genuinely don't know how anybody can break these records that Lewis Hamilton will set. I don't know how to do it. They've got to be like the like literally. They've got to be the go. Like there is just nothing else oh, to it because no, Max how has ten wins get... already. Yeah, but Lewis, how many wins did Lewis have by this point in Max's career? So, like, compare their careers. Their, if you go by point. if you go by careers, it's ridiculous. Lewis had won three championships, but if you go by pure <laughs> age, Max has ten at twenty-two. Well, Max, and so yeah, if you Max, go by Max age, came in Max, at seventeen. Exactly. So Max has got more opportunity to then sort of start his career now know, and still be at the same state. Controversial opinion. Max Stappen won't win a world title, but yeah. I don't think it's that controversial. No. I mean, oh, I mean, seven <laughs> years ago, I, I thought 
Hamilton will struggle to even win another world title. Yeah. Back yeah. So yeah. to win I think, seven, I think, yeah, 100%. it's just remarkable, <laughs> and to have and to possibly get a hundred in those just, in that dark year of two thousand nine with McLaren. You know, nobody. I think in the years at McLaren, really after two thousand eight, it was a struggle mm. to see him winning a title yeah. again. Yep. And then obviously, and then especially in 2012, when he went, me and Mercedes, who were a pile of shit, and we were just like, <laughs> uh, like um, is this really the best idea for you? Uh, if you've seen the Top Gear episode, when he goes, like, like, like Clarkson goes to him, mm. what are you thinking? <laughs> like, why are you moving? And um, and then like literally we all sit back and we go, well, okay, Mum was a bit of a genius, like, you know, made the best move. Yeah, I think everyone did. It's really <laughs> funny. And now we're just like, yeah. I remember, not being, like, yeah. I remember not being able to get my head around it. I thought 2013, I thought Sebastian was on his way to becoming what Lewis yeah. I thought yeah. we all did. I think everybody did, yeah. thought that. Yeah, Sebastian, I thought, was the next was the next chosen one. And then Lewis decides to throw the Uno card out. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of pick up a wild card. And especially. Refers Uno. <laughs> especially because you can actually. I feel like. Um, Hamilton and Vettel you can compare against each other properly Definitely. and you can say Hamilton is better because he did be in for the world title twice fair and square like they would battle on track and see it and Hamilton would win on the occasion you know Vettel would win so we can say fair and square you know probably Hamilton is better than Vettel uh, but again like you said we all thought it was going to be Vettel I think a lot of people as well because he was German and you know he adored Michael in Vettel you know we all thought Vettel was going to be the next Michael, and then Lewis just said, "Nah, it's it's, it's for me. Like that's it's my time." <laughs> yeah, and I, I think on the Michael point, you know, and how we how we transformed Germany as a motorsport power. I think yes, Lewis couldn't do that because you know he just wasn't starting from as low down. But he did. You know, Britain had hadn't had that type of driver in a long, long time. You know. A, James Hunt, maybe you know, a driver who captured Mansell. the imagination, maybe yeah, yeah Hill or Mansell, but yeah, was that yeah, was Mansell know, with, or Hill the last world champion for Britain? Yeah, after Lewis? yeah, you know, and, and they hadn't before Button won in 06. We hadn't had a winner in you know quite a few years. Ignore that. Not since DC in 2000 had or yeah. 2001 had there been a winner before Button. There's yeah. been something like a hundred, nearly 80, 90 races since a British winner, basically. So, and he did have to win the, the British crowds round because, you know, a lot of people saw him as a brat, as, you know, someone who didn't deserve to be there. Some of them thought, you know, with... I've never because, got you, you that know, disliked him because he was black. I think, yeah. I think if anyone's that. read Mark Priestley's book, it came across that he was a bit distant from the team, but I think that's because the, he never felt like he fit in. I think that brings us back to our debate we were having earlier, is that the world kind of seemed to want to ignore Hamilton they didn't want him to be good and he felt so ostracized and he still yeah. managed to build it up and build himself and that's it didn't quite work at McLaren for that because there were bridges that couldn't really be rebuilt from a few stages um, from when he was very young but the way he came to Mercedes is a whole new mindset and the way he built the way he's built himself into that team yeah. and the way he's come across as a person in that team has really really properly galvanized Mercedes towards him and like you mentioned yeah. earlier, the way he's won over the board at Daimler, Ola Kalanius has only been in that position for a year since Dieter Zetcher left. But he won over all the people at the big bosses and the, everyone everywhere in that company and everyone who succeeded in that company is in, th in awe and in the thrall of Lewis because he has built himself as a person in such and such a way 
and he's consistently learning he's consistently getting better and I think you can really see that looking at the general consensus towards him in his early career um as Adam says is a bit of a a put upon brat he was a bit but he was a he was my age he was a young guy he's just not he's not probably knew he was good knew he was good because he deserved <laughs> to know he was good because he was good and he wasn't being appreciated properly he was um, and also in a team in a way, Fernando was... Alonso and yeah. only until 2008 did he really start then build with McLaren a bit but McLaren was still um basically the team they wanted to be 15 years before so he had to develop McLaren a bit and he struggled to do that but he did that in Mercedes and he's made it his team and that's what's really definitely helped to win them so many championships particularly 17 and 18 where they needed to work they needed to beat Ferrari not just beat themselves they needed to get into Ferrari's head and crush them and they did twice so I think that says a lot to me yeah I think just coming back coming back to this season to round it up for me you know it's the season where he's gone from just being a racing driver to being, you know, an, an athlete. You know, he's one of the greatest athletes of all time. And, you know, within that, I think he is the greatest F1 driver of all time because he's the only F1 driver and one of very few, you know, sports people who've risen to that. Ed, Ed's so annoyed that he's covered up the camera. Um, but, you know, he, he's, one of, he's one of the very few people and the only F1 driver who has got to that stage and... You know, it, it's also a season where he's won differently. It's not, you know, 07, 08, where he just came on. He was blindingly, blindingly quick. You know, it's not, you know, 14, 15, where he was, you know, fighting tooth and nail with Rosberg. It's, you know, he's winning smart. He's winning through, you know, tyre management when, you know, he's not got or not got a huge advantage over Bottas. He's winning races that, you know, perhaps he wouldn't do. So I think for me, he is the greatest of all time. Would anyone else agree or does everyone else think there is no greatest of all time? I like think you we've said, already though, said just that. saying about like this oh. this year. If uh, just coming into it, like as an athlete, if Lewis doesn't win just because we're recording this on a Sunday, it's spotty tonight. I genuinely yeah. don't understand what goes through the yeah. British public's head. Because well, we voted for eyes, Brexit, so anything can happen. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. We didn't. Um, <laughs> I just like to point that oh, yeah, out. Not, we yeah. didn't vote. We, for we, yeah. we did I not. I couldn't vote. I personally couldn't I could, vote. Yeah, I, we I couldn't vote. You, know. you should have tried harder. <laughs> I was, I was it's, it's this it's this lack of um <laughs> determination from snowflakes that is why this country is going down and we've been <laughs> we've been at risk of becoming a brexit podcast too many times in the past i think if he doesn't win spotty tonight and i would say out of all the athletes like he's just been the most outstanding in britain like he to me is the best one of the best british athletes ever so like you said that raised him to that level Ooh, that's because of a debate I bet Tyson That's Fury wins. I bet no, Tyson, Tyson Fury wins. <laughs> Come on, Ronnie. <laughs> I think he's the only other person I'd like to win it. Stuart Broad. He's got good hair. And on that note, Ed's already gone off to have a happy Christmas, but I do hope everyone listening to this does also have a great Christmas. And we'll see you for part two of this episode sometime between Christmas and New Year, where it's. I think it will be a bit more of an awards type thing we'll be looking back at some of our favorite moments favorite tracks favorite drivers and yeah you know looking at some of that it will be good so catch us then but for now see ya